Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Wild Tales Podcast. My name is Jason Fox and on this podcast I'm going to be speaking to some inspirational people about their lives and adventures and looking at issues like resilience and the benefits of hitting the great outdoors. There's a special offer for you all on a bottle of their single malts, so listen out at the end of this podcast. My guest today is Frankie Bridge, who with her work in the Saturdays and also as a solo artist has sold over 10 million records worldwide. She's also a TV presenter and an important campaigner for the mental health charity Mind and the charity Marie Curie. She also recently trekked across the Himalayas for the breast cancer charity Copperfield. In this chat, we talk about her trek, as well as her highs and lows of fame. I hope you enjoy it. So this is um, episode what? Three. No, it's not. Four. We did a live podcast. <laughs> so this is episode four of the Wild Tales podcast, and I'd love to introduce you all to Frankie Bridge. Hello. Uh, some people might think this is a weird fit for the Wild Tales podcast. So, although, actually, no, hang on. The link, I suppose, is mental health. Yeah. But I'm a big advocate of that, and you yourself also talk out about it. But obviously, this is a lot also to do with Wild Tales. <clears throat> Obviously, the clues in the title, um, and people wouldn't really link you to that sort of, you know, the outdoor lifestyle. Would no, they? no, really. definitely not. So, with that in mind, there is actually good reason for you to be in here because the Himalayas. Yes, you've just come back. I have. Yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Um, it was. It's something I've always wanted to do. Not necessarily the Himalayas, but I've wanted to do a trek right. before, just because it's just so far out of my comfort zone um and obviously you normally do it for charity or whatever so mm. so that again there's another reason for me to want to do it yeah. um so copperfield my friend Giovanna, she kind of runs it and she asked me every year if i would do it but they want they want you to kind of sign up to it like a year in advance yeah so i've never been able to so i just said to her look ask me every year and one year i will be able to do it so this year was the year and it was the Himalayas. <laughs> awesome. I did something for Copperfield. Oh, did you? Yeah, I ran the Bath Half Marathon. Oh, I wouldn't do that. No, dressed as a tit. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> run a marathon. It wasn't. It was only a half marathon. Oh. It, it was not. Oh, well, that's not all the, right then. Yeah, yeah it's not. It, and yeah. <laughs> anyway, go on then. What? Let's, let's, yeah, I digress. <laughs> let's, um, let's get back to the Himalayas. So mm. she asked you, you said yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know that much about it. Um, I, me being me didn't even really know where the Himalayas was that's how stupid I am um, and they realised obviously I would have to go to India which is somewhere that I have always been quite nervous of going to why? Um, just because I don't know like my sister went my sister went travelling there and she was like it just kind of ticks all of your like anxiety boxes it's noisy <laughs> It's it can be quite dirty and busy um so I was quite nervous about that but obviously I, we only landed in Delhi traveled through Delhi and then once we were in the Himalayas it was completely different but it was even getting there was quite intense <laughs> yeah did you go to Kat- you obviously went into Kathmandu hmm? yeah you yeah. did you would have done nothing <laughs> maybe I was just, it's the, all no, I know the- is that we like got two planes then like some four-hour coach journey and then we got a sleeper train from New Delhi to 
somewhere and then a four-hour coach journey so it took us like three days to get there bloody hell that sounds like a tr- mission in itself yeah and the sleeper train for me was like my OCD of like cleanliness and stuff I was absolutely dreading it and actually it was fine I mean I had to to go to the toilet I had to stick tissues of Ulbasoil up my nose to be able to like handle it because it smelled <laughs> so bad in there it was the only way I could cope and I disinfected the bed and everything and I was like by the time we got to the mountains I was like if you told me this was the trek I'd believe you right now because this was in <laughs> a lot <laughs> <laughs> so what okay what was what was the trip what did you actually do once you got up there once the journey had finished what did you mean? oh right so it was about four days trekking don't ask me heights and all that because i do not know yeah um i know i think like the third day was our highest day um and that was like felt more like climbing and that was actually although it was the hardest day for me that was the most fun because it was just yeah i don't know like felt like little mountain goats like trying to get up and i was like in charge of like 20 odd other people like i was team captain <laughs> i've never done it before i was like who the who hell put, put you me in, in charge? charge i know i don't know <laughs> um and um it was it was good like it was so nice getting to know everyone learning everyone's reasons for being there um, and I definitely went through like a whole emotional roller coaster while I was there myself. So I'm glad I did it. Did you? Was it physically hard? It was, but not as bad as I thought. Because I I work out a lot, but like I'm not consistent, and I didn't train for it. Yeah. Um. And I thought my legs were gonna like. I remember just before I left, I went like that's awful I walked up a slight incline to uh, up to a car park and was like oof that like I felt the burn and I was yeah. like I'm gonna be fucking screwed on this thing <laughs> <laughs> um, and Wayne was like yeah you've got no chance um, <laughs> but actually it was more my ankles and my feet that hurt like my legs and my thighs and everything was absolutely fine what about the altitude did you struggle to breathe no because I don't think we I don't think we went over like 3,000 so some people did a bit, yeah. Um, but I suppose like I go snowboarding and skiing, so I sort semi used to go a bit higher than others. I don't know; it didn't really bother me. Right, okay. <laughs> that probably means absolutely nothing. Did you? Did you no, no, no. <laughs> well, actually, it doesn't. You don't have to be that high for it to start affecting you. I've mm. I've done stuff really high and been all right, and thought right that I'm obviously sound with it. And then a few couple of years ago, I went flew into a place in Peru that was at about. 3,000 metres not mm. that high and I got off the plane and I couldn't breathe and I was having like panic attacks in my hotel room when I was waking up in the middle of the night like that. <clears throat> I was like bloody hell it's so weird, it can just yeah. att- it can, I think it can affect you at any time it just I don't know I don't know what it's about yeah luckily I was fine the trip the journey back was it just as chaotic um, no but it wasn't as bad on the way back and I think um, like we were really lucky with our camp in the it was really nice I ended up with like I mean a really basic room it just had four walls basically and a door yeah. um, so I was ended up not being in a tent and like the food was amazing and everything so actually like camp I thought was going to be a lot worse than it was yeah. and we never moved camp so we just went up and down to the same place right okay um, but by the last day I think for me maybe where I'd expected the whole thing to be so much worse I enjoyed it because it was better than I expected it to be. Yeah. But by the last day, because I'd completed it, I remember everyone was having like this big party and celebrating everything for the last night. And I just couldn't get into it. And I just rang Wayne and I was like, I'm just ready to go home now. I've done it now. I just <laughs> want to come home. And I know it's going to take me two days. And he was like, yeah, babe, I'm uh, just trick-or-treating with the boys. Um, <laughs> I was like, it's okay, just go. Um, so I think I was worried about the journey back. But in the end, we did like a 12-hour coach journey and then the two flights so how long were you away for it was like about nine days do you miss the family yeah it's more like a guilt like when i when i when i'm leaving i feel awful and then once i'm gone i'm all right and then when it's near the end of whatever trip i'm on that's the bit where i'm like okay i just want to get home now yeah yeah. um but the way i have to like rationalize (laughs) things is either one that i'm working or two that it's for charities so like i'm like well it's it's for a good cause yeah yeah you know, I can suck up nine days, but and the kids don't even blooming notice. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne didn't notice. No, he's Wayne just, doesn't care. He has an too, easier life. He's having too much fun trick or treating. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like that before? No, that's like the first thing I've ever done. Camped um, out. 
camping shit I've been like camping that. when I was younger like been when like... I was younger I was a massive to- uh, tomboy I was going to say toy boy <laughs> <laughs> completely different um (laughs) yeah I was a massive tomboy like I was always out playing with mud and worms and like always like I enjoyed like doing assault courses and stuff like that but I think then where like I ended up in a pop group and then in a girl band it kind of wasn't a I didn't have time and b I suppose it wasn't really what it was expected of me um so it's not completely out of my like I suppose it's it is within me to be a bit like that, but I just haven't had the opportunity for years. I'd yeah. like to do more. Are you, well, we'll come to that in a minute, actually. <laughs> what, do you rec- what was the biggest challenge for you on that trip? Um, so, so many things. I think... The toilet. Yeah, the toilets, cleanliness, food was a big thing, and then that ended up being all right. Um, for me, it's like I'm quite socially awkward. I'm really good at hiding it. But the big build-up for me was like there was a hundred people there that I didn't know, mm-hmm. and then knowing that I was going to have to like kind of sleep with these people, travel in like close proximity, and then like go up and down a mountain with them and people that were probably relying on me to kind of keep up morale and stuff. Um, when it was something that I'd never done before as Did well. Did you know anyone out there? I knew like two people bloody hell yeah and how they weren't you, on my team so. so what was your how did you what were your coping mechanisms to deal with that sort of <clears throat> anxiety was it anxiety yeah I think I just I just kind of fake it till I make it like I just act <laughs> like I'm confident and then like and then once I'm comfortable and in there with everyone then I can relax but it's just that initial thing yeah and there's always that thing in the back of my head that I'm like oh they're gonna not like me straight away or I think once you're kind of in the public eye, people have like a preconceived yeah. uh, notion of what you're going to be like. And I'm aware of that. Um, so I'm always like, I'm just instantly worried going in. But I just found everyone was so open and honest about everything. Yeah. So I found it really easy to be as well. So it just kind of, it, I was really lucky with my team. I think it like getting out, getting outdoors and doing that sort of basic stuff does, it breaks barriers down a little bit in people's heads do you know what I mean well I was like not to be like I was weeing in front of all these people that I just met by like day two like all passing down toilet roll like you're right mate yeah here you go like all like crouching on the floor so I think once you've reached that point you kind of pass that uh, awkward stage you should come on the SAS show you probably do all right no sounds a bit like that absolutely (laughs) not see if you can get up there with Wayne I'm kind of no because everyone was nice on this trip I feel like once one of you lot screamed in my face, I'd just be like, no, yeah. I gain nothing from carrying that thing up that massive hill for you to just tell me I'm <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you benefit from that, that Himalayan trip? Do you benefit from it mentally? Definitely. Physically? Um, physically for probably about a week when I got back. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to like, you know, my <laughs> legs feel really strong and I've lost a couple of pounds and I'm going to keep it up and... <laughs> then biscuits happened and that didn't happen anymore um but mentally 100% I find like with my anxiety um over the last couple of years I try to do things that scare me because it's almost like proving my anxiety wrong so it's like I told myself I wouldn't be able to do it um I was gonna not be able to complete it I'd hate it and all this stuff and actually none of that happened so it's like the next time I'm anxious about something it gives me like warranty to be able to be like no look you thought you couldn't do that thing and you mm. did so this is going to be no different so it just kind of makes me feel stronger every time you end up becoming comfortable in the uncomfortable situation and it doesn't become uncomfortable yeah, yeah which I think can also be a little bit addictive yeah yeah I know yeah I'm the same I think I'm scared of heights and I always do crazy stuff up high so I don't know why I do it because I always get like sweaty palms and mm. stuff like that but but you're still scared of it as well, even though you do it. Yeah, I don't see. I'm trying to work that one out because um, <laughs> I when I when I think about like when and when I'm going to go and do something up high, I sort of like get worried about it. And then I go and do it, and I'm while I'm doing it, I'm like, well, this is all right. And then mm. I think, well, I'm over my fear of heights, and then it comes back again. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake! I have that weird thing when I'm up high where I think, <clears> what <throat> if I just jumped? Yeah, it's not that I want to, but it's just like that fear of that I might. Yeah, and I won't. But I don't know what it is. It's so weird. What if I jump? I think lots of people get it. I had someone as well on my podcast the other day, and she was like, I have that thing if you, you know, the like stools at the theatre, the higher ones. Yeah. Those stools, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, she said she has this weird thing where she's like, what if I throw someone over the edge? (laughs) I was like, oh my God. 
Yeah, but that's even worse than wanting to do it yeah. yourself. Like, you can get into trouble for that shit. Uh, right, okay, we've already spoken about the fact that you've been a bit outdoorsy in the past. So that's that's your sort of like fundamental building block to want to go and do the Himalayas. Yeah, I think so. Um, so you get anxious around people or, you, or before seeing people. Yeah. Your career has pretty much been about being in front of people and gobbing off and prancing around and singing. How, and you've been doing it since you were young. Yeah, since I was 12. 12? Yeah, 30 now. <laughs> been around a long time. What? So how did how did it start? Um, so I was in a band called Escob Juniors when I was younger. Um, basically, Escob 7 did auditions and it was like a bit like X Factor, but for kids on CBBS. It was right. like like they put this thing out for an audition and but that was before any of that was really a thing and then um, yeah. I just convinced my mum the night before that she'd want to take me um and um I went didn't even have a song practiced or anything um and at that time I was doing auditions and stuff anyway because I was at stage school and um I got in and none of us really knew what it was for it was actually to perform a night at Wembley with Vest Club 7 right and then Simon Filler who like manages Spice Girls and S Club Seven and stuff. Yeah. Decided to make us into a pop group, and then that was it. Really, that like I left so school. How, how many of you were there? There was eight. What, what? So when did you leave school? When I was when I was twelve. So at first I would do like two weeks at school, awesome. two weeks off. <laughs> oh, I still had to, I still had to do work. Yeah, so we yeah. had tutors. Right. Okay. Um, and I had to do like fifteen hours a week of schoolwork. So sometimes that would be on a tour bus or whatever, anywhere really. Um, so we'd get up at like three in the morning, do SMTV, CD UK, and then come back to a house and all sit and do our GCSEs or whatever we were doing. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it? What you just you just became a pop star? Yeah, uh, I think I think at that age you don't really realise what it is. Was it fun? Yeah, like I loved it, and we had like what is very different to what, how the industry is now. Um, is we had our same team all the time, so we had the same makeup artist, stylist, driver because we obviously had to be really well looked after and mm. um, so I felt really safe and it was for me it was just like oh I'm not at school like I'm getting to do this thing that I love yeah. and obviously financially that wasn't a thing and social media wasn't a thing so I just was in my own little bubble of so what happens do you, you get paid for it yeah so who, where does that go you ain't got a bank account when you're 12 I don't actually know because it was all <laughs> like mom, yeah mom and dad, and dad. No. but it was like um I I always get really like <laughs> oh, don't get me started like I listen to LBC and stuff and like when I get home Wayne's always like oh you've been listening to LBC again haven't you because I come home like I write about something and what used to annoy me was that when I was younger when I was 12 because it hadn't really happened before there hadn't been like a child pop group for a long time <clears throat> yeah um we had to be under all like the theatre rules which didn't really work because we were working all the time. So we weren't always going to the same theatre, doing the same thing day in, day out. Mm. So And they didn't really like us being paid because we were so young. Like It was like this issue that we were getting paid a certain amount of money, but yet they still taxed us. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so what's the theatre rules and what do you mean by that? I don't, well, at the time, children were only in theatre shows. So it was like you had to be finished by a certain amount of time silly things like you had to give your chaperone your purse to look after your money or whatever yeah, yeah. whereas like obviously when you're touring and day-to-day stuff that didn't really make sense so it took a lot to get all the laws and everything and sorted out i don't really know the ins and outs yeah. but um yeah so we were it was they obviously had to be super careful about looking after us and you just and you basically just traveled the country singing songs and stuff yeah, yeah. At one point, we lived in Barcelona for three months. We filmed a TV show over there. So I'd like be in costume, be doing my schoolwork, and then get pulled out for a scene, go and do that, and then come back. I actually left because we had these like big folders. I left half of my maths GCSE in Barcelona, so I never learned it. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do very well in my maths GCSE. <laughs> <coughs> what um. How, how long did that go on for, S Club Juniors? Um, I think it was until I was about 15, 16. Right. And at that point, I then got signed on my own for about a year with Simon Fuller. And I just was a bit lost. I think where I'd had people telling me what to wear, what to do every day, I, I was a bit like, then all of a sudden Simon was like, well, what music do you want to do? 
And I was like, I don't really know. Like, I would yeah. go shopping and not really know what I wanted or... And, like, all my friends were going to uni, starting to think about going to uni and stuff like that. And just a bit, like, didn't really know. So I kind of had some time out. I worked in Sugar Hut in Essex, which is on the only way to Essex. Oh, right, okay. Um, worked in there for a bit behind the bar. Worked in All Saints in House of Fraser. Was that when the only way is Essex was on? No, or was it was way it... before oh, that, okay. yeah. I think it's burnt down, like, twice since then. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's a thing, it's a cool thing, but yeah. And I actually really liked that because for me it was like, almost like a novelty of like having a normal job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy the paycheck, but the rest <laughs> yeah. of it was fun. <laughs> but then, so you did you did your sugar hut stuff. Mm. Let's get, we got to get down to the Saturdays. Yeah. How, did it, how did it all happen? It was a bit of a random one, the Saturdays, because I kind of like, <laughs> I went off and... I became a bit of like an emo kid. I don't know if you know what that is. Like, yeah, 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 I know, like yeah. A bit gothy. So I went off and like did all that, loved my life for a bit. And then, like I said, like when all my friends started like applying for unis, I was like, maybe I'll apply for uni and get in, like, because you can get in of having have done a job or whatever. So I was going to do like management, uh, music management or whatever. And then I was like, actually, I don't really want to do that. So I went into my old record label, Universal, and was like, yeah, I think I want to do music again. But I went in there with like, I had like black and yellow hair, like this big black highlighter. And they were like, oh, what's your favorite band? And I was like, yeah, Enter Shikari, which is like a pretty yeah, much yeah, a screamo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they must have I, been like, what like the fuck's him. happened to her? <laughs> um, and then I went on holiday to Zanti with one of my mates because everyone was going on holidays. And it was probably like one of the worst holidays of my life. Like just like having been in like this little bubble. And I got a call while I was there saying, oh, we're putting together a girl band. Do you want to come in and see us with Universal? Who, was, who, who phoned you? Um, a guy called Peter Lorraine, who I'd worked with. Oh, right, okay, Juniors. right. And um, so when I got back, me and two of my mates went to Kensington and I went and met them. And I come out and my mates were like, oh, so what was that about? And I was like, I think I'm in a girl band <laughs> and they were like what do you mean and I was like well they asked me if I wanted to be in it and I was like okay <laughs> and then that's kind of how it happened and what and they they just asked they, you didn't know the girls before no so I did so <clears throat> then like they'd been doing like these big load of auditions and then I kind of went in at the point where they had like the last eight girls left and one of those girls was Rochelle mm-hmm. Humes who yeah, was yeah. in S Club Juniors with me yeah um so I knew her and then we did a couple more auditions of us that they kind of like to see who works with who yeah and then they chose us five and then that was that really it was like I just kind of what not year was fell that? into it I suppose but I kind of did um I don't know I think I was about like 17 or 18 what and then it just so that was formed they called yeah. it the Someone called it the Saturday. Go on, why the Saturdays? <laughs> well, basically, we couldn't come up with a name. And then there was, like, these people that it's their job to do that. And then we were, like, all in a big room, a bit like this. And um, everyone had to, like, come up with names. This is literally how it happened. Come up with names, write them down, and then we stuck them all up on the wall. And then everyone had to go around and put a star next to the ones that they liked. And then whatever one had the most was basically the one. And I think we went for the Saturdays because at the time we were like, yeah, normally it's not like pop bands that have the word the in the name. You know, it's not not that obvious. And they're like, Saturdays are a really fun day. Um, and that was pretty it. <laughs> pretty much it. I wanted Mate, it to be... thought went into that I one. <laughs> I wanted it to be called um, Girls Can't Catch. I don't know why I had a real thing about it at the time. And it's everyone true. was like, no. I'm joking. <laughs> Um, yeah so that was it and then every time I met anyone and they were like oh what's your band called they're like the Saturdays and they're like all right like it's just completely disappointed but then you just become it so yeah yeah exactly but then it became like massive yeah yeah was there social media at this stage I mean not not at the beginning so at first it was like when we first started um forums were just kind of starting to get a big thing and so we had to start signing in. So we'd do a gig, come back, and they'd be like, just sign in, answer a few questions, and then leave. Like, sign out. So it was yeah. kind of like, you never really saw anything bad. So that was kind of the start of social media for yeah, us. Yeah. And then it kind of grew as the band went on. But mainly, really, I'd say once the band had finished, it got bigger. So when did it finish? Um, <laughs> good question. I think about, like, four or five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did. I was a pop star for a bit. I can't remember when. It's because of that I'm, pop star lifestyle. I'm just so like... bad with timelines. And like, 
I, it like you know like it kind of like tapered off there was no like right today is the last day um and um yeah i don't know it's so bad so could you could you sort of like regroup if you wanted to and bang out a couple of tour dates yeah because we've never f- officially broken up like we were really lucky that genuinely we got on there was no ever there was never like any big rifts between us obviously we'd piss each other off yeah, but yeah, not yeah. like you know like family do yeah, I know, yeah. so like the option's always there whereas I think most pop bands you normally break up because you've all had enough of each other and you can't stand each yeah. other so it is all, the option is always there but whether it will happen or not I don't I don't know you still talk to the others yeah I mean it's mainly on like whatsapp yeah right. <laughs> we've got so like a whatsapp that's, group that's all anyone ever talks exactly. to exactly um, and it's so hard to get everyone together um, but we do sometimes. What? What was it like? I want to know. What's it like when you're like getting ready to go out in front of thousands of people? Um, it's weird. Like it, it. You're always nervous, but it does become a little bit normal. Like I always, I always had nerves, and I always used to think if I wasn't nervous, then it wouldn't be worth it. Because I think that's yeah. what makes you put on a good show. Um because obviously it's a new crowd every time but yeah. it's just so exciting like especially if you do a tour and you like sell out an arena and you know that everybody in that room has paid to be there to yeah. see you and that's just like a nuts feeling like you can't recreate that that's unbelievable i'd shit I'd, yeah i'd pretty much shit my pants i had to do a talk <laughs> i had to do a talk once to it was to lloyd's bank at the nec and i didn't know i, I didn't look at the brief because i'm shit and I ended up turning up and they were like, yeah, we, we've got all this. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Staff from all the Lloyds banks, and I was like, well, how, many, how many people have come in yeah. they were like that about five five six thousand people and I was like <laughs> what the fuck they didn't even want to listen they didn't pay to come and hear, listen to me I was probably part of the the agenda and they were like fucking who's this dick but anyway <laughs> I properly I've, I've <clears throat> the only time I've felt more nervous was I did the on pitch Q&A at Arsenal Tottenham at half time but like, I think fuck. that's worse. That was horrendous. Yeah, because you're in the middle of basically a circle of people. And they don't give a fuck. All they want to do is watch football. Yeah. And then it came, <laughs> oh, come on. And then it was like, and then they were like, I oh, introduced me as, a, as an Arsenal fan. And obviously all I could hear was the Tottenham men just going fucking like, yeah. I was like, oh, get me off this football pitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's similar to uh, what but I did. did. Did you find, did you, did you really enjoy it? I did, yeah. It was only um, like when when my mental health started getting bad. That was when I it, it stopped being enjoyable for me and became a bit of a chore. And it actually became one of my main anxieties. Was so just quickly di- before then? Yeah. Did you see it as a job or was it just doing something that you loved? Um, no, I loved it. I loved it. I always felt lucky that I was doing what I loved. But obviously, as you get older. So when I was in S Club Juniors, I didn't have to worry about having a mortgage or yeah, what yeah, my future yeah. was going to hold or whatever. And yeah. then once I was in the Saturdays, again, I just loved it and I could just kind of rolled with it because you never know how well you're going to do. Mm. But also you are then more aware that like, you need it to lo- like last longer. You need to have a backup for afterwards. Whereas like, when I was younger, I didn't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. So, right, let's talk about the mental health side of things because that's something close to both our hearts, I suppose. Mm. What? When did it all start to sort of 
unravel a little bit with regard to you know yeah. your mind I suppose um I think I've always been that way inclined I've always been anxious an anxious person like yeah. even when I was a kid um and I think it kind of like subsided subsided for a bit mm-hmm. and then when I was in the Saturdays as, as time went on it was like I don't know if it was like to do with being so tired and just like just being I think now when I reflect back I think a lot of it is to do with control because you just have no control over your life because everyone tells you when you're eating what time you've got to get up where you've got to be and it's like it's like almost like 365 days of the year you know they tell you when you've got time off and this at the other and which is nice in some ways but I think it just started to feel I just started to feel a bit out of control yeah and I started to be aware that I was having to become Frankie from the Saturdays rather than them being the same person. That's, I think that's all you were known as. Yeah, at I, one know. Point. I didn't know your last name. I, just, I, Frankie from I the think Saturdays. I was Frankie from the Saturdays in Wayne's phone for quite a few years. <laughs> <laughs> he probably still wishes. It's like, oh, remember that time when you were in a pop group? Um, yeah, so I think it just was like, I think I became more aware of what people were expecting from me right. and what I should be to be a pop star. And um, it just kind of started taking over. Like when I was performing, I'd be thinking, "Oh, does everyone think I'm shit? Do they think I look fat? Do they, you know, do they like me?" Um, just like loads of things. So I wasn't actually concentrating on what I was doing. I was just kind of on autopilot all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I was in a relationship, and that all kind of came to a head. And I think just like my mental health was already quite bad at that point, which kind of helped our relationship deteriorate anyway. And then I think then it all just kind of exploded all at once. And then that's when I ended up in hospital. So how, why did you end up in hospital? Just because I just couldn't cope with everyday life anymore. So I was with Wayne by this point. I'd been with Wayne for about a year. And um, (laughs) I'd, I'd started like crying and stuff over silly things, or I'd be like extremely tired and, like we'd say oh let's go for dinner and then he'd just find me on the floor asleep in the house somewhere (laughs) like it was just weird um and then like one night he'd got like the wrong yogurt or something something just so ridiculous and I just had this massive breakdown about it I'm like you don't know me and he like just the weirdest (laughs) thing and it just yeah it just got to a point where we were both like this isn't normal this isn't right and um my my GP came to see me and I'd been seeing a therapist by this point and a psychiatrist and they were like, the only thing really is you're having a mental breakdown, yeah. so you need to go into hospital because I just wouldn't have been given the time I needed otherwise. Um, so it was a big deal to step out of work and kind of take myself away. We, I mean, we have to talk about it because you've got to get rid of the stigma, but I don't mm. think there is much of a stigma, uh, or there is definitely not much of a stigma now than there was before. But the problem I think you have is you give yourself your own stigma in your head do you know what I mean because you're like well I'm having a I'm having dramas here and I'm and I can't talk about it because I don't want people to know about it which which basically means you're giving yourself that you know what I mean you're you're telling yourself that you're the only person that's responding like this or doing this but I think as well a lot of that is about understanding and that's what I found the biggest thing with going to hospital and maybe yeah you would have benefited from it because I got I was like in an intense situation to know properly medically exactly what was happening to me mm-hmm. and it made me feel less weird and it made it feel easier to explain to other people because I think that's the hardest thing is when you don't really understand it and then you're trying to get someone else to understand yeah, it yeah. it's like it's impossible if they've yeah. never felt that way they're not going to get it yeah so I think if you can break things down medically it's a little bit easier um and like now I can kind of accept it a bit more and I don't know, I just find it easier to handle. Just easy to manage yourself. Yeah, because I kind of know what's happening now. Whereas before I was just a mess. I was just trying to like push through it and ignore it and just get on with it. And I had this amazing life and I knew how lucky I was. But then that almost made it worse. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt guilty. You, yeah, you are not. You don't feel like you should be feeling yeah. like that when actually you are allowed to feel like that because you're a human. Yeah. To be fair, if someone had got me the wrong yogurt, I'd have probably <laughs> fucking meltdown as well. I know, poor Wayne. I'm like, really? We've only been together a year. He could have ran fast, mate. I bet sometimes his now is like, yeah, that was probably my, my out there. Should have taken <laughs> Alarm that. bells were ringing. <laughs> um, when, did you, when did you start? When did you and Wayne, when did you become a family? 
Um, so Parker was born in 2013. It's only a year after the hospital yeah, side of things. Yeah, it wasn't that long after. Were you married by that stage? No. Okay. I was kind of like, I knew, we knew we wanted to get married. We knew we wanted to have kids. And we did that whole thing of like, oh, we'll see what one comes first and the yeah. baby came first. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't really bothered. I wanted to be a young mum. And obviously Wayne being like eight years older than me, he was a bit more like in a hurry. Um, but I was always one of those people that didn't like, I wanted to, always wanted to have a good career yeah. but I didn't want that I didn't want to get to an age where I was like that's all I have mm -hmm. um so I always knew I wanted to be young when I look back now I'm like god I was well young but I wouldn't change it I was 24 24 bloody hell yeah, yeah that is quite young yeah and then we got married when Parker was nine months okay where'd you get married at um Woburn Abbey yeah, I know. I used to go to school near there. Oh, did you? Well, I grew up in Luton, yeah. So we used to go to... They've got a safari park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in there. Oh, very fancy. Yeah, it was a bit fancy. They've got a... Uh, there's a good golf course up there as well. Oh, great. Oh, okay. That's probably, <laughs> yeah. I just never... <laughs> I don't know why that came into my no, head. It's just out. Like, go there. <laughs> man, it's a great golf course. Honestly, they used to have some big tournaments up there. Faldo played there and everything. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know where the fuck that came from. Um, how did that... Did the family thing help? Did it change? I mean, obviously, your life changed again then, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah, massively. I think um, I was like petrified that, um, first of all, that I would get postnatal depression because mm. like, it's, you know, much higher risk. Um, but I stayed on my medication while I was pre pregnant, yeah. which is quite controversial. But um, if you stay on the right one and you're monitored, then it's fine. Right. Um, so I did that. And then, and I was actually fine afterwards. Um, the only thing that freaked me out, which sounds really cliche, was how much I loved him. Because people tell you that loving a child, which I'm sure you will know, is different to loving anyone else. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I was like, well, I love Wayne, I love my parents. Like, there's loads of people I love. I can't imagine it's any different. Mm. And actually, I just remember like looking at him and saying to Wayne, like, it's almost bit suffocating because I too much yeah I couldn't imagine like him ever being unhappy or and I think I was really hormonal at the time like yeah. that's kind of eased a bit but that was the only thing really that freaked me out and I think actually becoming a parent has made me realize that I can't control everything yeah um and you know things are going to happen like hit the kids are going to fall over they're going to hit their heads or whatever they they're going to learn i can't control and that kind of released a bit of anxiety for me and also i think seeing sounds so cheesy but like the simple things in life that bring joy to a child makes yeah. you just realize like it's just because they don't know any of that bad stuff yet yeah. like we all started out that way mm. and it's really nice to see and be around that i think I think kids teach you a lot, don't they? Yeah. Weirdly, they they I I learn. Children are what taught me to get over a lot of what I was going through because I really? just yeah because I remember watching. Um, it was when I was talking to my psych my my therapist, you know, psycho whatever you call them. Um, I should know. She'll she'll give me a right bite. <laughs> uh, and she said, look, look, watch watch um watch these kids I'm like that's a bit weird yeah <laughs> watch uh, we, they were in a park playing around and they were just doing their own shit not minding not minding they didn't care that they'd just fallen over and c were crying mm -hmm. seconds ago they were still going around enjoying just being a kid and she's like you need to be a bit more like a kid yeah and like live in the moment and forget you know don't worry about what's past and gone and don't worry about something that hasn't happened because it hasn't happened and then when it happens it's too late to worry about it yeah and you're like, true. Oh, fucking hell, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she basically gave me gave me permission to be an 18 month old for the rest of my life it's awesome I think that's pretty much what Mrs. men do Fredders. anyway no <laughs> yeah I know I was going to say my missus is like oh, fuck's sake. but I think it does it's true like you know obviously I still have my anxieties I still have depression like it's not like they've cured me or anything and they come with their own anxieties now yeah. but it, it is it is it does it, I think it teaches you a lot about yourself and obviously I can't mentally now only think about what happens to me I have to think about them first so I think it just takes a lot of that away I mean uh, yeah I've met your kids they're pretty they're mental aren't they yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean Wayne is their dad <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> honestly they're like on they're on a mission I know they're full on in fact one of the the first I didn't obviously didn't <clears throat> know you or your kids but when Wayne came on the SAS show there was a bit where 
we take <laughs> yeah. them into a room, take them all into a room, those that are left, and we show them video <laughs> messages from home. And I was like, and we don't normally, in all the ones that went before it, we don't normally go and watch that. And yeah. I was like, that to one of the exec producers, I was like, let us, let me, can I, I want to watch Wayne. Because I, I just, he's quite, he, he wears his cry. heart on his shoulder, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. He does. And I was like, he's going he's gonna to blow. <laughs> I know it. And I just want to see it. Because it's, you know, it's quite good. It's, it's It can be moving, I suppose. Mm. So I'm going to the gallery thing and like, I'm watching the, watching the, the video and he's watching and then obviously the laptop goes up mess, video message and it's you and the kids and mm. you're like telling them how proud you are of him blah 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 and then basically <laughs> the kids get bored and they just start bugging off and doing stuff and you're trying to talk to the camera but at the same time and then you just see shit flying around in the background <laughs> there's like a sock goes winging one way I was like fuck it and I, I think <laughs> I think a lot of it that was what also made him sort of like get emotional because it's just it's your home in it yeah yeah Yeah, but you know what it is about that I don't know if you're going to edit this out after but it's like so like obviously I had no idea what Wayne was doing I hadn't seen him and um, the SAS people are like will you send Wayne a video of encouragement and whatever and I'm like yeah yeah sure so I'm thinking I'll be able to just film it myself and then send it so like it won't be awkward or anything but no I basically had to have a Skype with some random young guy and really? that's who I had to say my heartfelt message to. So I'm saying to the boys, boys, come on. Like, they don't understand it anyway. Come on, let's send daddy a message. And they're like, all right. I think I probably was like, I'll give you a bag of buttons if you come and do it. <laughs> so come and sat down with me. Chocolate buttons, and then, not like yeah, normal yeah, buttons. Yeah. <laughs> they're really into the shiny ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they like sat down and they're like, well, who the fuck's that? You know? They didn't say that, did no, they? No, no. I mean, they probably <laughs> they would. Probably would. <laughs> but you know, you're like, it is confusing for them. Um, but yeah, I remember everyone from the SAS being like, under- and then they suck from <laughs> so, yeah. I don't understand why they do that. I don't know, because I think they'd get a better message if you don't feel like you're having to say it to some random man or no. woman, but mine was a man. Well, anyway, it was... <laughs> It was it was it was actually one of the highlights of the night. Honestly, I'll, I'll remember that for a long time. Um, moving moving away from that, the digital world is what it is now. Social media is well, it's fucking massive. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to answer for, on the, but at the same time, it is a tool as well. How do you manage your the demands of? Because you're quite a lot of what you do now is social, isn't it? Yeah. How how do you manage it? I mean, I. I'm I'm on it and now I've got a, a slight profile but mm. not on the level that you are I think um, I I don't know it's taken me a while to get into it like I was probably one of the last in the Saturdays to get Instagram because I was just like oh it's just another place where I have to like give more mm. which I know sounds awful but I come from a band where I didn't have to do that and people only saw what I put on TV or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's taken me a while, and like a selfie to me was like just so self indulgent. Like, you've basically telling everyone, I think I look great today. So here's a picture. <laughs> so I was just like, I just can't get my head around like when that became like acceptable. I just, it took me a really long time. Um, and then I kind of got forced into it and whatever. But I, for me now, I suppose I'm self-employed now, basically, yeah. and that is part of my work. And without yeah, yeah, exactly. it, I, you know, when you go, I'm sure you know yourself when you go for these jobs or whatever. It's like that's what they look at how how many followers you have, your <laughs> engagement, and you know you can make money from it now. And um, fans love it because they get to know you. And I suppose for me, it's like I don't know with family and stuff. It just keeps people engaged and yeah, yeah, yeah. interested <clears throat> and it's a good it's hard but you can and the, the thing i like about it, it is a platform for getting good stuff out there like you do your you know you speak about hmm. mental health and it, it has an impact on other people doesn't it people. yeah i think as well like for me like even with that like selfishly although it does help other people it helps me as well because i will put something out there and you know, I still suffer with the same things of depression of where I feel lonely or I think it's only me that feels a certain way. And I'll put something out and like 
thousands of people will reply and be like, oh, that's how I feel today or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. feel reassured as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it's amazing in those ways, but obviously it has its 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 problems. I, I do the same as everyone else. I compare myself to everyone. Yeah. Everyone's busier than me, happier than me, more successful than me. Their kids are better behaved than mine. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> and that's probably true. Um, you know, there's loads that even though I know how the whole thing works, I still do that as well. Yeah, yeah. Going back to like the whole selfie thing and you putting a picture up because you look good. Yeah. That doesn't happen to me because him, he basically <laughs> picks things that make me look shit. Why? So we, like, like, as an example, soccer, really so, soccer AM, soccer AM. We go on, he's videoed pretty much most things I did. I scored a goal uh, and he's like, nah, mate, we've got to put the, uh, we've got to put the free funnier. kick. We've got to put, yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be real. You're nowhere near reality. You've got to be real, Foxy. Got to be real. No, anyway, no, 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 no. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't so, imagine you sitting at home taking a selfie and I look I good today. Just what are you on about? Just Mate, like, I, don't, oh, I, don't, I, I can't don't... get the angle right. I look, <laughs> I, Jen, I look shit. I don't like some people are really good. Maybe I need a stick. Maybe you need a Maybe stick. Maybe, Maybe you need a stick. Maybe all of a sudden, I've realised that the stick. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Fuck off. Uh, Actually, at least I can talk yes about social media for a long time. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> right, futures. Do you like? Obviously, you like getting out and about. Yeah. The Himalayas has taught you that you like that. Like, mm-hmm. Well, not taught you, sorry, re-in, reinstalled into your mind that it's a good thing. Yeah. What's what's coming up? What's the next thing? Um, I have plans for a next thing. What is it? I can't tell you. What? <laughs> serious? Yeah, I can't tell you. I can uh, tell you later, but I can't tell you now. Give us a, give us, can you though, give us a clue? Though, it's a, it, it will be harder than what I've just done. Charity? Yeah. I think I might know. Bridgie's told me. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> probably has. All right. Okay, no, yeah. Well, all right. I definitely, I definitely will. I'm up for doing more. And I, I said to Copper Phil, like I would 100% do that again, mm-hmm. or it will be somewhere different, obviously. But yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely will. I just think it just, it, it actually took me a really long time to get over it mentally because I think I was a bit like, oh, it's like everything's so mundane now. Like I don't know. Obviously, it's completely not the same. But no, the for same. you, I imagine like when you've come back from being away and it, fighting in a freaking war and then coming back and life must just been so yeah no it's the same. normal like mundane just, and obviously climbing the himalayas is not the same but i just had this sense of like oh i'm just dropping the kids off to school today i'm not climbing a, a mountain yeah, yeah. like it was weird but i think it's like yeah you you're right it's exactly the same it's the bubble you're like you're in the mm. bubble aren't you and then it just it ends it stops mm. it bursts whatever but i think that's the the good thing about it is that is it coming back to normality as long as you realise that that's going to happen, it shouldn't be too boring because essentially what it does is it's just setting you up for the next time you do something and it's mega enjoyable again. Mm. And then because you, you can't do nothing lasts forever, does it? So, no. yeah, I suppose, yeah. All right, so we can't talk about what what's going on next, <laughs> but but we can talk about your book. Yes. So. We can. Frankie actually wrote her own book, but actually, she actually wrote it. <laughs> unlike me, some I got someone to do all the hard work, but I obviously spoke and we. I did. I did I do a little bit of writing. Story, yeah, yeah. I still did a little bit of it and stuff, but yeah, my my yeah, I had a writer, but you didn't. No, I um I was really adamant that I didn't want a um ghostwriter, just because. I had always enjoyed writing, like when I when I was at school. Yeah. I loved writing essays and stuff like that. Like six I was years such a loser. At yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those two months that I did English, um, <laughs> and I actually can't spell, which is why spell check is great on a computer. <clears throat> but I can write a good story. Um, and I just I just felt like it was like a really personal thing, and I just thought it needed to sound like me, like because mm. it sounds so. But like I wouldn't use big posh words, or I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, like I just thought it wouldn't sound the you same. Because you did Cause two months in English, school, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly, that's who I am. So I was like, I just wanted to do it myself, and um, it was a lot harder process than I thought. I avoided it quite a lot, quite a few many times. Avoided emails and whatever. And um, my therapist and my psychiatrist both write in it as well to yeah. explain things, how they explain things to me. And they've gone through my notes and parts of that are in the book as well. So it is quite exposing. Um, but it's done now, <laughs> which yeah. is quite nice. How long did it take? Um, it was about a year. Um, I remember going in 
like last year and then and thinking because I knew it was going to be out in February 2020 right so I thought I had ages and they were like yes we need it done by August and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) like I thought I had so much longer um and like my mental health took a massive dip while I was writing it I think because of the stress of getting it done and just like learning relearning things through my doctor's notes and stuff that I'd forgotten or just didn't realize um but also it taught me a lot about like I said like a lot of mine comes from a need of control I think and Mm -hmm. um it was quite interesting and people that have read it now seem to really like it and that's the next thing isn't it is you do it and it's this thing and again you're in your own little bubble and then you're like shit now it's gonna be out there for the world so you know when um I'm interested in this because I did the same sort of thing but you know when you went you were able to go through the notes from your psychiatrist and that mm. was it was it did it com- was it completely different to how you remembered it or how you thought it was um there were no it maybe not different but just like things that I either I didn't realize or had forgotten it's about you the book yes but based around my mental health so it's not like a whole autobiography of my whole life is it just your journey? Yes, journey. It's a journey. It's a journey, isn't it? We're on a journey. Life's a journey, I'm telling you. Um, no, it's true. When's it out? It's out in Feb. <laughs> Basically, Frankie can't write or tell the date or find out when things happened. I've written a book. Written a book. Written a book about something that happened once. Yeah. Lastly, you've done an awful lot over the past, well, basically since you were 12. But... Can you give people some self-care tips in regards to like what, how you look after yourself mentally and physically? I don't know. I'm still learning. Um, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just try to do more of what I like and spend time with the people that I like, which I yeah. know sounds really simple, but um, I think especially like in anyone's work or 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 life you feel like you have to do a lot of things and hang out with certain people or say yes to things yeah and i'm learning to say no more within reason obviously Mm. um and um i don't know being honest with the people closest to you i think the biggest thing for me has been all of my friends and family now know what I'm like so I no longer have to pretend around them yeah and if I do go off the grid a bit they kind of all know why and they kind of know how to deal with me now so there's no hiding really anymore basically be honest basically be honest yeah, yeah. and um don't ha- hang out with dicks <laughs> 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 all right anyway on that note thanks very much for coming no I really appreciate it and yeah it's been awesome thanks, thanks. very much Thanks very much to Frankie. Hope you enjoyed the chat. Really appreciate you listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow me and the Book of Man for the latest news. Thanks to Talisker for supporting this podcast and for a special offer they've done for the fans. You can have 10% off a Talisker 10-year-old or a Talisker 18-year-old at masterofmalt.com if you use the code TALISKERWILDTALES10 at the checkout. This offer is available until the 31st of January 2020 or until promo stocks last and it does only apply at masterofmalt.com. When you go onto their site, you can check out all the T's and C's. There you go, a nice Christmas gift for wild spirits. Enjoy. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 